0: Oh that helps. <laughs> Not yet. Soon. So somebody shout out the chapter title for this week. Keep reading. serving leftovers to a holy god some of the more advanced students have skipped ahead a chapter (laughs) serving leftovers to a holy god and this was a challenging chapter uh i highlighted a lot of stuff throughout here and we're going to talk about it um before we do though i'd like to open with a word of prayer We have any prayer requests this this evening? Goodness. Janie. Pray for PJ and Janie. For healing and for... Oh, goodness. Healing from surgery and all that. Sure. Did you? Wow. Wow. Yeah, we'll pray for Janie and the recovery and all of that. Yes, Mark. for For Bobby. Yeah. Okay, pray for Bobby. Anybody else? George Dolan's waiting for a lung. Yeah, Olivia. Yeah, Denny. All right, let's go before the Lord. Father, we're honored to be in your presence this evening. Uh, it's a privilege, Lord, to get together and to talk about what your word says and how you would have us to live out your word in a real and tangible way to the world around us. Uh, God, I pray that you would anoint this study and that people who are involved in reading and, and studying and highlighting and, Lord, keeping with all of the all the chapters and, and what's going on in the midst of their lives, Lord, it's, uh, it's timely, this message that we're getting. Uh, Lord, for us to just sort of pump the brakes and slow down and re- remind ourselves uh, just who you are and who we are and who we are in you. God, it really is timely. It's, it's actually a timeless message, Father, and thank you for your word that is living. We pray tonight, Lord, we lift up uh, Janie to you. And Lord, she has this uh bacterial infection, uh Lord, this unbelievable uh scraping that had to all this things this procedure that had to go on, as Sue has shared that she will never walk again, uh, but Father, she needs a touch from you this evening, and we pray Lord, that you would go across the miles and begin a healing work lord, and talk talk to her spirit through your spirit that she would know lord and she would have a peace that she would know people that she doesn't even know are praying for her and laying her before the foot of the cross and saying god would you intervene would you keep her would you give her comfort lord would you give the doctors the wisdom that they need father just be near to Janie and pj we pray and father it's it's not coincidental lord that um we hear about all this stuff that's going on with your people. We think of Denny, as, as uh, Jim has said. Uh, we lift him up, Lord. We lift up uh, all of the requests, Lord, that are known to you already. I thank you, Lord, that you're working before we're even speaking the words, before we're even praying the words, God. You're working. Um, it's just amazing. And so, Lord, uh, you've heard the requests that were made this evening. Go across the miles, go into the hospital rooms, be with Olivia, Lord, and all of those, Lord, who need your, your touch. Be close by, be nearby, help people to know, Lord, that they need to trust in you completely to get that peace that we need in the midst of that kind of turmoil of health problems and psychological problems and spiritual problems, Lord. We just need to turn to you to get that peace that we desperately need in the midst of that. Father, we love you. We thank you. Be with us the rest of this evening through this study. Be all over it. May your Holy Spirit accomplish, Lord, what he has set out to accomplish tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Serving leftovers to a holy God. Springboarding off of the lukewarm chapter that was before this. And there's so much in that lukewarm chapter that I think we touched on last week, and this really springboards off of that. It's even deeper. I feel like it went even into uh, being Luke, the lukewarm chapter. Any initial thoughts on the chapter when you read it? What were you What were you thinking? How did God come on you and say, "Hey, yeah, this"? Or what 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 were you What were you going through when you were reading this? This chapter were you thinking, This chapter's long. <laughs> were you thinking uh what were you thinking? Hmm. Hmm. Keep it in your heart. Yeah. Anybody else? Don't look for the earthly things, but the heavenly things. Mm. Very good. In the love chapter in 1 Corinthians when he says, yeah, love is patient. We'll put in there, Brian is patient. How are you? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it gets better. The book will get a little more encouraging. (laughs) But I think I am encouraged when I read stuff like that because, I, and and all through this there's this the thread of we're not we're not saying all this stuff to make you feel bad or make you feel guilty um we're saying that we're saying this stuff and pointing these passages of scripture out so that you'll realize the immense love that God has for you and embrace it he quotes again uh in revelation chapter 3 uh, it's one of the highlighted passages I have in this chapter, and putting it plainly, it says, churchgoers who are lukewarm are not Christians. We will not see them in heaven. There, well, That'll cut you off at your knees, so to speak. I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing but you do not realize that you're wretched pitiful poor blind and naked i counsel you i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see and and he says that there's no gentle rendering of the word spit in the greek or the original language <laughs> Uh, this is the only time it's used in the New Testament. We talked a little bit about that last week, how spitting means actually gagging or vomiting. And I sure don't want to be vomited out when it comes to the the Judgment Day. And it, one of the things that Chan points out in one of the studies in this chapter, I'm not sure if he mentioned it in this chapter, I didn't highlight it, but he definitely mentioned it uh, in the video we're going to watch. If you were stranded on a deserted island and all you had was a copy of the scriptures sitting there and so you picked it up and you read it and you maybe read it cover to cover would your modern day Christian experience, not only church but who you are as a Christian, would it look like what was outlined in that book? Would your life look like, if you call yourself and align yourself with Christ, you call yourself a Christian and you read the Bible, would your life look like what's in that book? The people that are in that book. Would church look like, would church, modern day church, what, what, it, what we do in churches all across the country and around the world, would it look like what's found in that first century church? Would it look like the book of Acts? Would it look like look like what it means to be a follower of Christ. And again, not to say that we need to be guilty feeling, because one thing that I will tell you from personal study, the Bible was not written in a vacuum. The Bible was written to a people in a time, in a location, in, in history. <coughs> He talks about the parable of the soils. Did you get to that part? Before the before we talk about the parable of the soils, I want to I want to watch this week's intro video together, and uh, let's hear what he has.
1: I think one of the most important things we need to learn to do as Christians is to think for ourselves in a biblical way, like biblically think for ourselves. We, we all know the passage that talks about not being conformed to the pattern of this world. And I think that as Christians, for the most part, we, we do okay with that. We don't know how the world is doing this, but that's not really biblical. My concern, though, is I think there are patterns in our American church culture that we just follow without really thinking, is this the most biblical way to do it? We just do it because, well, this is what every church does. It's it's always easiest to just follow what someone else does, but I believe that God's called us as believers to check the scriptures and go, okay, is this most biblical? For example... When we built the sanctuary, I I went around to different churches and I looked at their buildings and thought, do I like this? Do I like that? Is this us? Is that us? And and we, we came up with a building plan. Now, I'm not saying that it was wrong to build this, but I'm just saying, I never even asked the question, should we build a sanctuary? I just figured that's what you do when there isn't enough room for people, you build a bigger building. Because that's what everyone else does. And so, you know, we're going out of this. Should we build another? And I just followed a pattern. I just did it because I figured that's what churches do. And I didn't even have the maturity at that point in my life to even ask the question should we build a building? Is there a more biblical way? Again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying that as believers, we don't take a really good discussion, because they walked away going, you know what, I think I do need to do that, I think I will do that, and I don't know if they ever did, but after they left, I I started thinking to myself, was I really fair to them, I mean, did I really do that, did I really one day say, I really want to know the truth, so I I sat down with the word of God, and began to study, and came to these conclusions, Um, honestly, that's not how it happened for me, and a lot of things were fed to me as well. So I've been on this journey of just thinking to myself, okay, if I were on an island and I just read this book over and over again, and let's say this is the only, this is the only influence I had, and anyone preaching to me I had no theology books, I was just on this island reading this thing over and over, what would I believe just from my readings and studies of this book? Would I come up with church the way we do it in America? Probably not. And I went through this journey of just trying to figure out my whole belief system and thinking through how much of it was fed to me and how much of it really came from the Bible itself. Think about it. If if all you had was the Bible, would you come to the conclusion after reading this that to become a Christian you would pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart? And I know I am... stepping on some toes right now I'm just asking is that really what you would find in here or
0: if you only had
1: the Bible would you come out thinking no I need to repent and be baptized filled with the Holy Spirit what would you believe if it were just the Bible and again I am not saying that we shouldn't listen to people because there are some amazing teachers in our world and God's gifted some people to be teachers I'm just saying that biblically we're taught that we should test everything we hear and see if it's really in this book. I realize that chapter ...is falling madly in love with Jesus Christ. So,
0: a lot was covered in that video. He said a lot. And, I didn't leave chapter 5 honestly doubting my salvation... Uh But what I did leave chapter 5 with was not that I could be doing more. And I don't want you to hear that message either. That that's, you know, because when he did talk about the lukewarm church, he emphasizes that he's not talking about the church like believers. You're lukewarm. You're not even a believer yet. You know, he's at the door knocking saying, I want to come in. And he's not in yet for the lukewarm person. But what I left chapter five with is uh, I know a lot about a lot of stuff. Maybe I know a little about a lot of stuff. And I shared this with uh, with some close friends not too long ago. That do I know enough about God's word? Do I know as much about God's word as I do uh, about? Uh, playing guitar. Do I know as, as much about God's word as I do about other hobbies that I would have, other interests that I have? That's where I left Chapter Five. Boy, those online are probably pulling their headphones out, right? Now. That's where I left Chapter Five. Do I know enough? Or do I know as much about God's word as I do about other interests that I have? Maybe maybe your interest is underwater basket weaving. And you know everything there is to know about underwater basket weaving. I mean, you've got it down. But do you know, do you put as much effort into learning God's word as you do into your underwater basket weaving. And I just picked that because I'm not going to pick on individual hobbies or interests because I have them too. Do I know as much about God's word? That's what I left chapter 5. not feeling, Feeling a bit inadequate, honestly, just a little bit. Thinking I could read more. I could learn more. Rather than just read it, you know, a lot of us, we can keep that Bible by our bedside or on our kitchen table and and check off. I read my Bible this morning and close it, but I could learn a lot more about the scriptures. and, And it's like a never ending learning that happens with God's word. Where did chapter five leave you? Examining your days and asking, do we waste too much time? I can see how you could get there, reading chapter 5. That's a different conversation than, can I do more? It's different. Do I waste too much time? Hmm. Anybody else? Where'd chapter 5 leave you? Me too. Absurd. (laughs) Yeah. Looking in the scripture. In Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the. Of the sower of the soils. It's called different things. It says that same day. Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat, and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of, depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. Same page. For years I struggled with the parable of the soils. I wanted to know if the person representing the rocky soil is saved, even though he has no root. And then I wondered about the thorny soil. Is this person saved, since he does have root? I doubt if people even considered these questions back in Jesus' day. <laughs> is this the idea of non fruit-bearing christian of a non-fruit-bearing christian something that we have concocted in order to make christianity easier so we can follow our own course while still calling ourselves followers of christ so we can join the marines so to speak without having to do all the work jesus's intention in this parable was to compare the only good soil To the ones that were not legitimate alternatives. To him, there was one option for a true believer. Hmm. Let's face it, we're willing to make changes in our lives only if we think it affects our salvation. That's why I have so many people ask me questions like, Can I divorce my wife and still go to heaven? Do I have to be baptized to be saved? Am I a Christian even though I'm having sex with my girlfriend? If I commit suicide, can I still go to heaven? If I'm ashamed to talk about Christ, is he really going to deny me? Those questions that the asks there are not unlike questions that we, we hear quite often. But Jesus said, if you love me, you will, you will obey what I command. And our question, question becomes even more unthinkable. Can I go to heaven without truly and faithfully loving Jesus? Big questions. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to leave you for a little while, and while I'm gone, I want you to make friends in all the nations. Right? He didn't say, I'm going to leave you for a little while, um, and I, I want you all just to become Christians whatever that looks like for you what he did say he said i'm going to leave you for a little while and go into the world and i want you go into the world and i want you to make disciples of all the nations but you know what if that's too much to ask it says in here he you know just tell them to become christians you know the people who get to heaven without having to commit to anything I think a lot of folks are trying to make it an easy uh, believism. And I was talking to somebody about this earlier this week. We like to fit Christ and fit Christianity into our lifestyle. Rather than abandoning the lifestyle that we have and serving him. Let's get to that love chapter. couple of things i highlighted and you can just shout out things that you might have circled or highlighted on in the chapter offering leftovers on page 90 in my version god wants our best deserves our best and demands our best for years i gave god leftovers and felt no shame i simply took my eyes off of scripture and instead compared myself to others hmm Hmm. Succeeding at things that don't really matter There's a song that the uh, Southern gospel groups have sung for a long time It's called songs that answer questions I don't know if you've ever heard that song by the gaithers or anybody else But it says I don't want to spend my time Writing songs and answering questions that nobody's even asking anyhow Things that don't matter. Say it again. Underwater basket weaving. Exactly. Exactly. God's definition of what matters is pretty straightforward. He measures our lives by how we love. In our culture, even if a pastor doesn't actually love people, He can still be considered successful as long as he's a gifted speaker, makes his congregation laugh, or prays for all those poor, suffering people in the world every Sunday. But Paul writes that even if I have faith, even if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Strong and unmistakable words according to God we are here to love not much else really matters so God assesses our lives based on how we love and if you want to turn there it's it's in the it's in the crazy love book the scripture that's first corinthians uh, chapter thirteen four through eight And he says insert your name here Everywhere you see the word love put your name in there So love is patient and kind Can I pick on you a little bit Lee is patient and kind Elaine does not envy or boast Jim is not arrogant or rude. Gary does not insist on his own way. (laughs) Bob is not irritable or resentful. (laughs) This is a fun exercise. But rejoices with the truth. Julie bears all things believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. Faith, hope, and love abide. But these three, the greatest of these, is love. He says, by the end of that, don't you feel like a liar? I mean, if I'm to represent what love is, then I often fail to love people very well. And that's really what it boils down to, I think. We, we can read all of this about, about love and read all about how God is, you know the lukewarm and all of that, but we are called, as Christians, really just to love. And if we put all our efforts humanly into loving, I really think that pleases God. I really do. God spends a lot of time and a lot of energy in His Word on that little word love. And how do you show God your love and how do you show the world your love? Are you willing to say to God that he can have whatever he wants? Do you believe that wholehearted commitment to him is more important than any other thing or person in your life? Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? If the answer to those questions is yes, and here's where I circled a few words, then let your bet, Match your talk. True faith means nothing holding back. Holding nothing back. It bets everything on the hope of eternity. I thought that was well put. Holding nothing back. What does your Christian life look like in comparison to what we've read in chapter 5 and in the scriptures? Up until now. What does your Christian life look like? (laughs) Not too good as Jim says. I like it. As I said before the Bible was not written in a vacuum. It was written to people. That were listening to those words that would understand the context and the, and the, the, the surroundings and all of that. And I, I say that, and I cautiously say this, that if we read the Scriptures and, and realize those things, uh, our, our life is not going to look like the people in the book of Acts. It's just not. We don't live there. We, we're not during that time It's not in that context. So it's not going to, you know, what we don't say is, well, do what they did. That's impossible because that was a specific time in history. I may preach from, if I could get a boat in in those doors, I would preach from a boat. That would be fun. (laughs) We could make it happen. Let's start it up. <clears throat> Show up in here, there'll be a boat there one day I love it Summertime, we gotta do that Nothing like a summer boat Bible story <laughs> But I really don't And I, I hear me And I want you to tell me if you do feel this way Have you read all this up until now Thinking when does this get better Like he's really beating us up here I've read a lot of it And thought, Brendan and I were even talking Like I don't remember this well, of course you don't remember the part that you get beat up. You remember the good stuff. Talks about us, and you know, pretty much not, not doing what we should be doing. But like anything else, and, and I say this about a lot of teachers, uh, Francis Chan included, God gave him a specific calling and a specific purpose on his life, just like he did you. And... Just because he left his church and is now leaving the country, I just found out, and going somewhere into some remote areas of wherever to minister to those people, it's just like looking at the Book of Acts and saying, "Oh, we got to sell everything and share everything and just live in this big happy commune and, and you know and all you know sit around the campfire." They, God doesn't call us to that. Maybe He does to you, but He doesn't also call us to what He called Francis Chan to. So don't go to the extreme saying, well, this is what this guy says, so this is what we should do. Read the scripture for yourself, have the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, tell you what you should do. Very important. That's very important. There are those who were called to sell everything and give it to the poor, right? The man came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do? For you, sir, <laughs> you need to sell every, all of your possessions, give them to the, to the poor. Well, Jesus knows what our struggles are. That's right. Mm-hmm. And those people are called for that, called to that. But if every one of us said we want to be a missionary and go sell everything that we have, I mean who would talk to your family you know who would talk to your you're here for a purpose as well not necessarily to sell everything you have and go leave everything and go wherever now there's missionaries in this country that don't have that sell everything and move to New York City and and minister to the people there yeah doesn't have to be a third world country although if you've ever been to New York City absolutely right It is. There are people right next door to you. There are people sitting next to you on your row on Sunday morning that need to find the love of Christ. And they're looking at you to show them. Love God and love the people that he's made. Very good. And he reminds us that we will get carried away in the current if we're not very careful. He talks about taking up your cross. Taking up your cross. What does that mean to you? What does that mean when Jesus says, "Take up your cross and follow me"? Take up your life. Follow this idea of following. Take up your cross and follow me. Remember, we talked about. Just those fishermen saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to leave everything. I'll follow you. I'm going to follow you. What, other, other people, what does it mean? Other folks, what does it mean to follow? Take up your cross and follow him. interesting. Obedience. not going to be easy yeah yeah it's good he says follow me take up your cross and follow me so the hope that's found in your, your cross that you're taking up is that what you're saying even though it's hard even though it's a different calling, even though it's not the same for everyone, take up your cross. It's good. He says here you could follow him straight up a hill to be crucified. Maybe he would lead you to another country and you never see your family again or wherever he would leave you. Well, yeah, there's a cost. There's a cost involved to following Christ. Remember, he had to endure. He had to take up his own cross before he was put on the cross. They made him carry it for some distance. And he knew where he was headed. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly where... He was going, why he was going. He knew exactly how heavy that cross was, whether he was carrying the whole thing, just a cross beam, whatever it was. You try it. Oh, it was only a cross beam. Well, you try carrying a cross beam big enough to hold a person. Right? Yeah, and have been beaten the night before and all of that. And he carried that cross. He took up the cross and carried it knowing where he was headed, knowing the end result. And as I say a lot of times, for him, the end result wasn't the crucifixion. The end result was the resurrection and redeeming mankind. So for him, it was worth it all. For him, it was worth it all. Taking up his cross, going through with the whole thing was worth it all. It's a very good point you brought up about that's the hope in taking up our cross and following him because it's going to be worth it all. Yeah, exactly. People are going to be saved. It will be worth it all. And I'm looking up the words to that hymn right now. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Jesus saw that for sure. That it was worth all that he had to go through. All the people that he had to deal with. If anybody has it before this thing finds it, that'd be wonderful. Someone look that up for me. This is not cooperating. My kingdom for a hymnal. Verses. I want verses. Need brother Lenny Bond here. You all know Lenny Bond? Some of you guys know Len Bond? It will be worth it all. We take up our cross. We follow him. We love God and love people. And it will be worth it all. I want to hit on one more thing that was toward the end of this chapter. Where is that? Go ahead and share that part. It's different. I have the, like, updated. So do you, but I don't see it. Got it yeah just for people that can hear online uh, when we put it plainly like this as a direct choice between God and our stuff, most of us hope we would choose God, but we need to realize that how we spend our time, what our money goes toward, and where we will invest our energy is equivalent to choosing God or rejecting Him. How would we think, how could we think even for a second that something on this puny little earth compares to the Creator and sustainer? And Savior of it all. What else could we choose? Not underwater basket weaving. What else could we choose? Compared to the creator and sustainer and Savior of it all. Look I'm all for. Hobbies. I'm all for interests. I'm all for all of that. I, I love. I, I'm into a lot of stuff too. My kids are into a lot of stuff. But I think we started this study off in. The, I think it was week one where we talked about compartmentalizing the things in our lives. Right? We talked about okay. Well, here's the here's the Jesus part. Here's the underwater basket weaving part. Here's the you know this other hobby. Here's this other thing. Here's my my kids involvement involvement. All these compartments. <laughs> here's band, here's dance, here's the thing, here's all this. Here's my work part, right? Here's my work compartment. It's what I do for eight, for 8 hours a day. We compartmentalize all of that stuff. And I wonder if in doing that if we're doing just what they just what what, what was just outlined in this book. Are we comparing, well, God, we have this much time for you this week. But we have all of this time. If I could use these chairs even as a physical example. You know, God, I have this much time for you this week. But don't you know, God, we have Monday night, we have this. Tuesday is this. Wednesday, we have that. Thursday, and we go on through the week. We have all of this stuff, God. I, I'll, I'll gladly give you this whole chair gladly i'm a christian of course but then people looking on our family our friends our children said you know what mom and dad sure put a lot of effort into all this stuff man but does mom and dad does uncle does my brother does my spouse put as much effort into this As they do all of that, compare the time you spend. Well, you say, well, you're a pastor, you have to read the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, right. I think what we can learn from this is as Christians, Christ followers, pastor or not, I think we can all start chipping away at some of the other stuff, how we spend our time. All of this stuff being a better example to those who are watching, seeing that this is the only amount of time we give him. That's all we give him. It's so easy to do that. But when we say we love Christ and our minds and our lives are, are taken up, our time is taken up by all of this, people are watching. are watching, the closest people to you. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your efforts, your money, your time? Where do, where's, the, where's your priorities? Ma'am, sir, people are watching. If we say we love God, we say we're his and we're following him. We're taking up our cross and we're following him. What does this look like in your life? What does this look like? And it's not about doing more, right? We good with that? It's not about doing more because I know some of your upbringing was probably old school. Church doors are open, you got to be there, you have to read your Bible, you got to pray, you got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. Well, instead of I got to, I want to. Right? I'm not talking about doing more for the sake of doing more because God will love you more or you'll be, no. I'm talking about you say you're a Christian, you say you're a follower, you'll take up your cross and follow him. What does this look like to you? What does time, what does your compartmentalized time in your life look like? Does it look like a little bit of church, a little bit of God right here? Maybe I'll even give him two seats if I'm having a good week. But then the rest, underwater basket weaving, work, family events, good things, right? Good things, not bad things. I mean, going to the bars, way down here for a lot of you, it's way down here. That's a bad thing you need to get rid of. These are good things. Time with family, time time with your kids. It's all good things. Please do. So this is the dance chair. Do you do this? When you're waiting with the other parents and they get involved in conversations that you probably should have no part in, do you jump right in to fit in and yuck it up with all of, all of them? Yeah, I, I get you. Mm-hmm. And not do because we want to do more but do because we want to love him more know him more intentional That's a good word all day all day put him in all those compartments those are good things you might take him to the bar once in a while don't do that I'm kidding but you take him into your different... You t- <laughs> pretend you didn't say that. We can take him with us. Wherever we go. Take up your cross. Take Jesus with you. Take the hope of your cross. To a lost and dying world that needs to hear it. In all those compartments. Great point. Great point. Amen. Amen. Father. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us through these writings and through your word. Thank you, Lord, for pointing things out, using your people to discuss and to bring about what the Holy Spirit would have for us to learn from you this evening. Using each person, Lord, in this place for a specific purpose, not only in this place during this study. But God, as we go out into our compartmentalized world, it's the culture we live in. As we go out, Lord, into these different places, our interests, our hobbies, Father, let us make more time for you. Set aside more individual, intentional time for you, and then take what we learned into those places. And shine your light. Whether it's on a fishing trip or into a prison. Shine your light in these places. Be an influencer for you, Lord. God, check our hearts if we need to be checked. God, check our spirits. See if there is anything in me, Lord, that needs to be adjusted. And Lord, I give you the freedom to do that. I give you the permission to do that in my life. and Father, I pray that you hold me to it. That your Holy Spirit would constantly check me on things. Time. Study. Energy that I put into learning about you so I can take the focus off of what really doesn't matter and be focused on what does matter so that the world would see that you love them. Father, we will do those two commandments and if we get off track, straighten us out. We will love you and we'll love the people that you made. thank you, Lord, in advance and pray that you would be with each person that's come tonight. Lord, that we would take you into the workplaces and into the, the families and into the corners of and, and, and circles of influence in our lives. God, it's powerful. When we read your word, we know what it says. We know who we are in you. And we can take that into a dark, dark, dark dying world and shine your light into it. Help us, Lord, to know that the cross that we carry, the cross that we take up, is the same cross that you carried. It's the cross of hope. The cross that we can show others. There is hope in Christ. God, help us to give us the words to say that to people. The words that people will understand. They'll be able to see your love God, all of the needs that were mentioned earlier, again, we lift those people before the throne. Pray you would be with them. God, be with Bobby, any of the others that were mentioned, Lord. We give you the praise. Go with us as we leave this place. We might be witnesses for you to this world. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen.